0: Wow. I invite you to open up the Philippians 1. There is one language in heaven. What is that? It's Italian. Amen. You think all Italians are in the mafia. That's not true. Some of us are in the witness protection program, too. Bad one? I probably won't use that one again. All right, so here's the question for today. As we get into Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 3 to 6. As we try to cultivate a grateful heart in the midst of an unthankful world that we live in, if somebody was to ask you, and you don't have to tell me out loud here, what is one thing that you need today to be thankful for? One thing you need that would make you more thankful, more grateful. um, some, some would respond, you know, if I just had a little bit more money, I'd be thankful. Or a little better health, I'd be thankful. Or a little bit more vacation time, I'd be thankful. Some, they wouldn't dare say this next to their spouses, but if I had a better spouse, I would be thankful. Now one amen, good. Our, our sin natures always want something a little more. We are never satisfied. In fact, you know the story when Rockefeller was asked, how much money is enough money? His response was classic, just a little more. (laughs) Give me a little more money and I'll be happy. Little more. Um, Things happen like that. People think if I just, when they asked Tom Brady, how many championships are enough? His response was classic. I just don't know. I just don't know. What are you thankful for? As as we look at verse 3, I want you to notice how he starts this off, and then we're going to see what he's thankful for. He starts off by saying this, I thank my God. He has a personal relationship with God. This is not just the God of the universe. This is his God, my God. I have a relationship with God. Eucharisto is the word for thank, where we get our English word, Eucharist. Where when people come to the Lord's Supper, they're they're thanking God for what Jesus has done for them. He died for their sins, was buried, and he rose again. So they're they're thanking God. He's saying this, I continually thank my God. I have a life of gratitude. I I am thanking God, not only with my lips and with my life. Now, here's where this gets amazing. Where is Paul at this time? Anybody know? He's in jail. He's the happiest man in jail. You're like, how is that? Because here's what happens. Our thankfulness, how we say we're thankful, it has to do with horizontal things. We're thankful for this. We're thankful for that. It's all horizontal. Paul, he was thankful because he had a vertical relationship with God. And he rested that this God of the universe is the God that's in control of his life and it is the God who brings him joy. He's thankful. Eucharisto. I continually give thank to, thanks to God. Now, why, Paul? Well, notice here in, in verse 3, we're going to see that he is thankful for people. In verse 5, we're going to see that he is thankful for the participation that we have. And then in verse 6, which I love and I can't wait to get to in about six hours from now, we're going to... You're going to see that he is not one amen. (laughs) He is thankful for the perfecting work of God in our lives. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. So he says to God, I thank my God. And here's what what he's thankful for. In all my remembrance of you, he points to people. Now, now, some guy wrote something that really got me. He said this. He said, did you know that Paul rarely thanked God for things? Paul thanked God for people. Listen to this. Who, despite whatever trouble they may have been to him, remained a source of joy and thanksgiving. That is hard. Do you know that he thanked God for the Corinthians? You say, why is that hard? Because he writes to Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, and he says this, The more I love you, Corinthians, the less you love me. And yet, I thank God for you. It is hard for us to thank God for people. Here's why. Because we just see their faults. Have you been there? We are hypercritical at the faults of people. We see the things that are wrong with them. We see see the things that they need to improve. We are so quick to see those things. And yet Paul doesn't say, I I thank God because you guys have faults. He says, I thank God for you. He looks past the faults. You say, how in the world does Paul do that? Look at this here in the verse, verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you it starts my friends in the mind we get to choose what we remember and think about people and if we just think about their faults we will never have a grateful heart before god you know what paul's thinking about he's remembering how god called him to macedonia remember that In Acts 16, how he wanted to go somewhere, but yet God stopped him, stopped him, stopped him and brought him to Macedonia of all places and God brings him to Philippi and he thanks God that he goes to Philippi. Here's this great church planner. He ends up in Philippi and who's there waiting for him? A bunch of ladies. How about that? What does Paul do? He preaches to the ladies. What happens? Lydia gets saved. Isn't that amazing? And God starts to work in her heart. And then there's this little young girl who annoyed Paul? I love that passage. <laughs> Paul had a temper. He got mad at people sometimes. And this little girl annoyed him. And, and the devil was using this girl to make other people money. So what does Paul do? Preaches the gospel to the girl, the girl gets saved. What how, how does God reward Paul? God sends Paul to where? A jail. What does Paul do in jail? He doesn't sit there and say, Oh, poor me, why did you do this to me? God. He starts singing, praising God. What happens? The jail gets saved. Mm-hmm. Everywhere he went. And he's saying, I'm, I'm remembering you all, how, how great. Now, did, was this church perfect? Oh, boy, far from it. Do you remember the two ladies in the church? Yoda Luluhi and Cynthia? <laughs> Chapter 4. You remember how they couldn't get along? Let me tell you something. You don't mess with two ladies who can't get along. I'm probably the only Italian you know. I would come home from school. No joke. This is not a joke. I would come home and see my mother fighting another lady in our front porch, ripping her hair out. You don't mess with two ladies. He had two ladies in the church who couldn't get along. He didn't overlook it. He said, get right with God. Get Rejoice in the Lord. You need to fix this thing. But what he does do, he doesn't focus on the faults of others. He focuses on the evidences of grace in their lives. And he says here, "I look at this in verse, verse 4. I'm offering prayer to you, for prayer to God for you, and I'm offering it with joy. How can he do that? Because he's focusing on God's evidences of grace in their lives. I'm reminded of the couple who were fighting. And the husband says, all you do is correct me. 20 years of marriage, and all you do is correct me. Every day of my life, you correct me. You just correct me. She goes, no, 21 years. <laughs> we are so good at seeing the faults of others. And we get hypercritical. And you know what? We forget to enjoy people even though they're broken. When we moved to Argentina, we got this, our first house, Katie and I, and I plug something in, it wouldn't work. I said, oh, we gotta get somebody over, fix that plug. Then I go to another plug and that wouldn't work. Oh, fix that plug. Then I had a crack in the wall. Oh, fix that crack. Then I had this, I had that going on, the air conditioner, this and that, and I just couldn't enjoy the house. And this missionary sat me down, he goes, Jeremy, I got a brand new house and I got a list of things that need to be changed. You need to enjoy what you have or you'll never enjoy it. That's how we need to be with people. We are all broken. We all have faults. We all have things that need to improve. But if we are constantly looking at those things, we will never have a grateful heart before God. Paul says, I thank my God. You, I continually thank God. I'm remembering you. I'm thinking about you. The beautiful memory of you. And always offering prayer. And I have joy. Because joy isn't based on this horizontal thing. Joy is based on our relationship with God. And in my every prayer for you. What brought Paul joy? Look at verse 5. Here it is. He's thinking of this church. That had its problems and all the things that were going wrong with the church. And here's what he's thinking about. They are, verse 5, notice this here. In the view of your what? Participation. Don't miss that word. That word is koinonia. It is fellowship. We forget that word fellowship because we've watered that down to a meal. I'm having a fellowship meal with somebody. What does that mean? We're sitting around talking about food. That's not the partnership that that he's talking about here. Even though tonight, praise God, we're going to have a fellowship meal, a harvest dinner, but it's based on something more than that. The word koinonia in the Greek means that we share something in common. Even though we're different, we have a common goal and a common vision and a common savior, as we're going to see here in a moment, and a common gospel. People who are unsaved notice this. If you're unsaved and you're working at a job, you have a common bond with your coworkers that you don't have with the people who don't work at that job. I love going to Chick-fil-A and embarrassing Johnny and Ellie because they ask me for my name and I say, I'm Johnny and Ellie's father. (laughs) And you know what they say? Praise God. The bosses go, we love Johnny and Ellie. They have a bond with the coworkers that I don't have. I'm a customer. Now, here's what happens in churches. There are people who don't want to participate in what God is doing, and they're just customers in the church, and they never really feel that they have a part because they're not sharing in what God wants them to do. Paul says this. He says, you have a participation with me, a fellowship with me. Notice what it is. It's a fellowship in the gospel. Don't miss that part. We have been... Oh, somebody... We, we have a fellowship in cell phones. We have a fellowship in the gospel. I got to say this one. So have you ever heard this one before? Can I play with you for a moment? The pastor said this. He goes, well, if, you, if, you, if your phone rings during the announcements, you got to give an extra $25 to the church. <laughs> but if your phone rings during the sermon, you're going to hell. <laughs> say that. That was another guy who said that. I just... Where were we? Out oh, the of participation. There it is. I had to get that one out. That was one. I need water after that one. Woo, that was a hot one. In the view of your participation. Don't miss, this is a beautiful verse. In the view of you joining together with me to get the gospel out. Here's where where a thankful heart comes from. A thankful heart comes from when we join together to get the gospel out for God's glory. I praise God. We got plenty of opportunities here. I looked looked at her. Man, I got exhausted looking at our calendar. You know, Easter egg hunt, we get the gospel out in March and April. In June and July, we have that VBS. We get the gospel out. We have gospel. We have VBS Sunday. We have soccer. We have the fountain for... uh, Festival, Fountain Fall Festival in September and October, we have Trunk or Treat where we get the gospel out. In November, we do it through Thanksgiving baskets. In Christmas, we do it through goodie bags. We are working together to get the gospel out. Now, not everybody's going out and getting the gospel out, but there's people who are praying, there's people who are giving, and there's people who are out there freezing during Trunk or Treat and getting the gospel out. But we're all working together. And Paul says this we, we're working together to get the gospel out. Some of you are praying. Some were praying for him. Some were giving money to him, which was amazing. Here's what's amazing about this. Do you know that only the church at Philippi was partnering There was a lot of other churches that could have. But he says, you guys were the only ones that would really partner with me in this. The greatest church planner on the planet and yet churches wouldn't get behind them. I couldn't believe that. But, but you think about this. They're partnering with them. They're giving to them. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If you want to have a thankful heart, and I want to have a thankful heart, we need to invest our time, our energy, our finances into things that matter. Amen. I got a friend. I'm not going to mention his name. He got a bonus. Six-figure bonus. At his work i said are they looking for anybody else to work there <laughs> <laughs> you know what he says to me he says hey i got this bonus i got this six-figure bonus i want to invest it in argentina what can i do with this money i'm like holy cow so i started to talk to the argentines and we thought about certain things and we're coming up with this plan. It's not finalized now, but we're working towards this. Something I've always wanted to do down there, but never been able to do, is we're going to be able to start what's called Project Hope. H O P E. Helping others perfect their English. And here's what we're going to do we're going to use Bible based English materials to get the gospel out. Yes. The Argentines are elated. Yes. I'm elated. And here's what's exciting about it. There'll be Argentines on the ground there, and then we can do some of this online. I love teaching English, because I teach real English, New York English. You got Argentines going around. Hey, how you doing? Forget about it. I taught them the real English. Real English. But I can't even make this up. We were, when we were down there, I had a guy, unsaved guy. He says, Jeremy, I want you to teach me the Bible in English. I was giving him the gospel. We had our neighbors in our home giving them the gospel, participating in the gospel. You want joy, you want thankful hearts. A thankful heart is a heart that shares in getting the gospel out. He says here, I'm in view of your participation in the gospel from when? From the very first day until now. And and here's why. Because when the gospel really transforms our lives, we can't but help participate in getting it out. Have you ever been transformed? Have you been transformed by the gospel? Has, have you allowed the gospel to really penetrate your life and cause you to be the, the person that God wants you to be and change what we were before and now going from outside the family of God, now into the family of God, and now we have the benefits of the gospel and we share all that in common? Now let's get that out together. But here's what I love verse 6. We have thankful hearts for people. (laughs) We have thankful hearts for the participation that we have in the gospel, but we have thankful hearts for the perfecting work of of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now don't don't miss this. This is a beautiful, beautiful verse. Some of you may know this by memory, but I want you to look at this. This is is amazing. I wanna show you something here. Look at this here in verse six. I am confident. Don't miss that part. This is not the human confidence that we have. Some of you guys are confident in things that will never come to pass. Ever. Ever. We get confident in things and then we're blown away when they don't come into pass. Look at this verse. I am persuaded. I am confident. I am sure this is going to happen. Now notice. The verse, I never picked this up before studying this. This is amazing. Verse 6 it says this. I am confident of this very thing, literally in the Greek, this very thing and this only thing. Why is that important? Because there's so many things we're not confident about. I don't know if Norman's going to make it out of the hospital, do you? I I don't know if Sarah's going to beat her cancer, do you? I don't know if Adeline's going to have another seizure. I don't know that. I, 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 there's a lot of things I don't know. I don't know when the Lord's going to take me home. I don't know that. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen in Israel and all that's going on there and the wars that are going. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know when the Lord's going to return. I know He is, but I don't know when. There is so much in this world I just don't know, and neither do you. But there is one thing we know. That the same God who began a good work in us. That word began is only used two times in the Bible and both times it's referring to salvation. In Galatians 3, he says to the foolish Galatians, what are you doing? You think you can get saved to begin in the spirit and finish it by your flesh? You can't! And in this one, he says this, the same God who began a good work in us The moment we believe in Jesus, the moment we put our trust in him, we're justified. And he began that good work in us. And here's what's amazing about that good work. It will be finished. But sometimes we look at our lives and we get so discouraged. We fall back in the same patterns that we were before we were saved. And, and we looked at our sanctification and we say, why is this so slow? Because God takes his time. But here's what's amazing. Even though it's slow, even though it's discouraging at times, even though we look in the mirror and say, wow, how could I even be a believer in the way I act? Even though we think that we got to take our eyes off of our own ability and put our eyes on the promises of God. Yes. He said he's going to start it. And he's going to finish it. And let me just tell you something. God always finishes what he starts. He's not like us. That drives me crazy. We're going to start this project. All right, when are you going to finish it? No, let's start another one. We're going to start this project. No, we're not going to finish that. We'll start this project. No, we're not going to finish. Project after project after project. Finish something. I love when we finish things. And for me, who's not very handy, it, it comes as easy as changing a light bulb. Man, I feel great. We got light now. Even though I made Katie get on a ladder because I'm scared of heights. (laughs) True story. That was us yesterday. It's way up there. I'm like, honey, I'll pray for you. I'm here. I got the ladder. Don't worry, baby. Go ahead, do it. Then we changed it, and it was the wrong color. And she goes, let's just leave it. It looks good. I said, honey, we got to finish this. Go back up. And uh... (laughs) poor Katie. She puts up with me, man. Unbelievable. Praise God, he always finishes what he starts. He bats a thousand. He, no swings and misses. When we get saved, we're going to make it. The moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to be sanctified. We're going to be glorified. You say, when is that going to happen? Not when we die. Don't miss this. Look at the verse. It tells us when this is going to happen. He who began a good work in you, he will perfect it. He uses the future tense. This is going to happen. When is it going to happen? The day of Christ Jesus. I love that. Because there's different days in the Bible. I don't know if you ever studied out the different days of the Bible. There's the day of the Lord. That's talking about judgment when God comes and judges the world. There's the day of God in Second Peter chapter 3 where God destroys the heavens and the earth, the old heavens and old earth with fire. That's the day of God. And then there's the day of Christ. The day of Christ, only used six times in the Bible, speaks of when God comes, Jesus comes back and raptures us from this earth. What's going to happen in that day? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Turn with me real quick. I'm sorry it's not up there on the screen. Philippians chapter 3. I want to show you this. This is beautiful. Philippians chapter 3, only two pages over. Look at this what's going to happen in verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven. From which we are eagerly wait for the savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, and what's going to happen on the day of Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state. 21, look at that. He will transform the body of our humble state. Looking at Norm after his open heart surgery and just seeing how weak he was sitting there. Our bodies are weak. But he's going to transform our humble state into what? Into conformity with the body of his glory. How is he going to do it? Some people get so caught up in this. What if somebody gets in a car accident and their head rips off? Or what if they're in a, they're in a plane and the plane blows up? Or what if they get cremated? Or what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? Paul says, shut your mouth and read the verse. <laughs> he's going to do it by the what? The exertion of his power. We have a powerful God. And the same God that called creation out of nothing is the same God that will take our bodies no matter what state they're in and bring them into glorious bodies. Yes. Praise the Lord. Go. And he has even to subject all things to himself. Yes. Paul says this. Let's go back to Philippians 1. We'll end here. He says, you want to have a grateful heart? Stop looking at the faults of people and really enjoy the people around you. Look at the evidences of grace in their lives. You want to have a grateful heart, verse 5? Invest your time, energy, and money in things that really matter, the gospel. If you want to have a grateful heart in the midst of living in this world, looking at everything going on and your own spiritual progress not going the way you want it to go, take your eyes off yourself. And put your eyes on the promises of God. You will make it. Not because you're faithful, but because he is. Amen. And he's not going to start a good work in you and just say, okay, now figure it out yourselves and I hope I see you there. He starts it and he continues to do it until it's complete. What a wonderful thing. And that's how we can have a thankful heart. See, people look at you and they say, well, how can you be so thankful? Look how mean everyone is in the world and how it is and how, look what's all that's going on. How can you be so thankful? I'll tell you how I can be so thankful because the one that began to work in me, he's going to complete it. And so we praise God. So what do you need this Thanksgiving to be thankful? I'm telling you, it starts with this. J-O-Y. You ready for this? Jesus, others and then yourself. No Jesus, no joy. You may have this temporal happiness because you got something or something, but that's gonna fade away, that's gonna go away. If you're thinking about yourself first before others, you're never gonna have joy. Others, and then yourself. And God has a way of taking care of this. Know what happened to the same friend that said he wanted to give his bonus money to Argentina? He got another bonus. So, do you want to take care of your friend now? <laughs> it's amazing when we think of others how God continues to bless us. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father, we, we come before you, Lord. And It is so easy for us to look at the faults and be critical of others and never enjoy the people that you put into our lives because there's always something wrong with them. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see past their faults and not look for perfection, but to look at evidences of your grace in their lives and rejoice that you're the one that began a good work in them and you're the one that will complete it. Father, I pray that during the holidays that we would really invest our time, our energy, our resources and things that matter. It's easy this week with Black Friday coming up and different things, Lord, to really get excited about investing in things that are not going to last. So help us to remember what really matters, the gospel. And I thank you so much for a church that partners in getting it out. But I pray, God, we would continue to grow in that. There would would be no customers here just looking to get. But we would all be co-workers for the gospel. And that may mean that the gospel needs to penetrate some of their lives before they can start working with the gospel. So I pray they would open up their hearts and receive Jesus and be changed. And God, I pray, there's days, Lord, where we look at our lives and we say, are we ever going to make it? We get so discouraged over the, the past sins or the sins that just keep coming up. Or when the progress is so slow, yet you're a God who takes his time. And you're the one that began the good work. And Father, you're the one that will perfect it. And one day we will have those glorious bodies where there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more disease, and no more defeat. Thank you for that. So God, we we lift up our hearts to you today. Thank you so much for this passage, and I pray we really live it out this week. May people see that we're thankful people, not for the things we have, but for the God we have. We pray all this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.